Father, thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us to this place, Lord, opening the doors for us to, to gather, Lord, to, to get together, Lord, and just uh, study your word. I pray, Father God, that you would meet us here tonight, Lord, in this place. I pray, Father God, that you would baptize us with your Holy Spirit right now, Lord, that we would just be able to, to feel your presence here in this place, uh, ministering to us, Lord, speaking to us, uh, 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 encouraging us, leading us, Lord, and, and, and sharpening us as well, Father. So may your, your word just come alive to us uh, tonight, Father God. May we just be able to see you, Lord, in the, in the, in our, in the, in the pages of our Bibles, Lord, in the verses and the words, Father God, in between every single uh, line, Lord. May we, we be able to see you, you Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless our time together, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Awesome. So getting into the book of Genesis now, chapter 4. Um, if you guys remember last week, we, we, we covered a, just a, an introduction and we actually went through chapters 1 through 3. And, and in chapters 1 through 3 of the book of Exodus, we were introduced to the main character of the book of Exodus besides God, you know, who's the main character, of course, of the Bible. But, but we, we were introduced to the main character, which is Moses, who, I, like I mentioned last week, is, is the author of the book of Exodus, uh, as well as uh, Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Uh, the first five books of the Bible are, are all authored by Moses. There was known as the Pentateuch or the Torah for the Jews uh, or, or the, the book of the law or, or the, the, the law of Moses as, as the Jews were referred, to, were referred to. And so we're introduced to this Moses who Moses was born at a time where the king of Egypt was ordering this mass infanticide on the Hebrew people. You guys remember we covered how when Moses was born, uh, the, the Pharaoh was concerned that the, that the Hebrew people were growing, were growing so fast. And they thought, man, if one of our enemies comes upon us and, and they try to do battle with us, and if they join our enemies, they're going to overtake us for sure because there are just so many in number. And so as the Pharaoh was so concerned that, that this might happen, he ordered an infanticide and he, he gave a command to all his people. And he said, all right, he says, uh, you are to, to, he told the Hebrew women, you are to kill any male, uh, male, baby, boy, male baby boy who is born to you. And so the, the command went out and for the Hebrew women, any male boy... The boys. It was the boys. It was the boys. Yeah, so it, it, the, the command went out because since the, the men were in the, are the ones who can reproduce. You know, he wanted to, to cut out all the men of that, of that next generation. So he, he, he uh, launched an attack. Yeah, the guy's insane. I mean, I think he was demonically, ins- uh, I mean, possessed, you know, to, to think, let's kill all those baby boys. And it would have been... They didn't want to do it. If you guys remember last week, you know, the, the, the Bible tells us that the midwives feared God. And so they, they went against Pharaoh's oh, orders. Fearing God? Fearing God in a, in a sense that they reverenced God. They, they, they cared what God, what, God, what God said more than what Pharaoh said. So fear, I mean, when I say fear, when the Bible uses the word fear of God, it means like this holy respect, this holy reverence. Saying, you know what, I'm going to obey God rather than what he's telling me to do because God is almighty. And so... The Bible tells us that these midwives, they obeyed God instead. And as a result, uh, one, of, one woman speci- in, in, in uh, specific, we're told, uh, gave birth to a baby boy. And the Bible tells us that, that when he was born, that he was beautiful to behold. And this baby was Moses. And so we see that, that Moses' mother saw her child, which she bore. And, and again, it says that he was a beautiful child. So she ignored Pharaoh's command and she spared her, ch- her child's life. 
right? And so Moses lived. And we're told that she sent him in a basket down the river, uh, later to be found by, by the daughter of Pharaoh as she was taking a bath down the river. We know that nothing happens by coincidence. We know that, that, that God was, was leading this little, the, the little basket with, with Moses in it. And we know that God was taking care of it. I mean, think of you know, how fast the, the, the water would have been flowing, right? Maybe crashing into rocks. And yet God just kept his little basket safe. And, and it's like he led her right to, to the hands of, of Pharaoh's daughter. And God, God caused the Pharaoh's daughter to have compassion on his little baby boy. As soon as she opened the basket, he started crying. And she said, oh, look, it's one of the Hebrew women's children. And so we're told... That, uh, that Moses was, was raised by his biological mother, but then he was given over to Pharaoh's daughter once he was weaned. And so, again, this is just God, orda- uh, God orchestrating all these things. God is always in control. And that teaches us that even when we think that things are out of hand, out of control, that we don't know what's going to happen, hey, God's in control the whole time. And he's working behind the scenes, right? And so we see that Moses grew up in the house of the Egyptians, but he always knew his roots. Right? Because he was raised by, by, by his biological mother, he, he always knew that he was a Hebrew. Yeah, he knew that he, that, that he was a Hebrew. And that's why we're told that, that one day he went out and he saw his, he saw his brethren. Right? He, 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 saw, he, saw, he saw his people. He saw his kinmen. He saw you know, his, his own people being tortured and being mistreated one day. And so we see that he had a sense that God was going to use him to deliver the Hebrew people from Egypt. But... He jumped the gun, you know, he tried to do things in his own strength, in his own understanding. And as a result, he ended up killing one of the Egyptians who was mistreating one of the Hebrews. And then uh, he, he tried to hide the body in the sand. The next day, we're told that, that Moses went out, he saw two of the Hebrews fighting. And he said, hey man, how, how come you guys are fighting? You know, you shouldn't be doing that among his brothers. One of the guys called him out, he said, what, are you going to kill me like you killed that, that, that Egyptian? All of a sudden, Moses realized, man, that's it. They didn't accept me. You know, they, they, things didn't, aren't going the way I thought they were going to go. And he had to flee. For, he had to run away from home because now he was a wanted man. He was wanted for murder. And so we see that he fled from Egypt. He was wanted for murder. And he fled from Egypt at the age of 40. And then he spent 40 years in the Midianite desert with his wife, uh, the daughter of, of a man named Jethro. And then we're told that, that God appears to Moses in the desert in the form of a burning bush. And commissioned him to return to Egypt and request that Pharaoh let the Hebrews go. And so we pick it up here in, in, in uh, chapter 4 as Moses is still conversing with the Lord. Last week when we finished in chapter 3, uh, Moses was right in the middle of the conversation with God. As God was telling him, alright Moses, I'm going to send you back to Pharaoh. And Moses was saying, I can't, I, I, I'm not equipped. What, what if they don't listen to me? What if they ask me who sent, who sent me? All these things, right? And so we pick it up again now, now in chapter 4, right in the middle of this conversation. And so... Chapter 4, verse 1 says this. It says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my, to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What's in your hand? And he said, A rod. And then verse 3 says, and, and, and God said, Cast it on the ground. So Moses cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. We'll stop right there. And so again, as Moses is, is talking to God still, right? He's coming up with these... Uh, I would call him excuses. He's hesitant. He's hesitant. Moses is hesitant. God told him, all right, I'm going to use you to deliver the Hebrew people just like you wanted to 40 years ago. Remember, 40 years ago, Moses was puffed up in pride. He thought, man, I, I'm the guy. I'm the guy who's going to deliver the people. They're going to set me up as, as their leader. I was born for this. He had everything. But yet, it wasn't God's time. Why? Because he was doing it in his own strength. God had to humble Moses for 40 years. Now all of a sudden, 40 years later, God is telling him, all right, remember that thing you wanted to do 40 years ago? Now's the time. Now you say, no way, I'm not the guy. I'm not the guy. What's happening is that Moses is a completely different man. 
right? He's been out in the desert for 40 years with a, with a sheep. He's been a, he's been a sheep herder, a shepherd, which in the eyes of the Egyptians, the lowest, man, he's, it's the lowest job. And so he's humbled. He's humbled. And so earlier in his life, again, he took matters into his own hands and he thought he could lead the people, but God had to show him how to depend on him before he could lead anybody. And, and that goes for all of us. If we want to lead our, our families, if we want to lead uh, our homes uh, for, for, for the men, if we want to lead our, our wives, right, our kids, uh, if you want to lead your, your grandchildren, anybody who's, who's under us, if we want to lead them first, we need to know how to be led, led by God, right? Uh, interesting that Ephesians chapter 6, uh, of Paul gives us, well, the Lord through Paul gives us this, this model for, for, for marriage even. And he says, hey, just as God the Father is, is, is head over Christ, Christ is head over the husband, and the husband is over the wife, right? And the wife is over the family. And there's this, this is order. But we see that we have to submit to Christ and to His authority. And so in order for us to, to lead, we need to be led by Christ, meaning that we need to know how to follow Christ, right? And so here's Moses now. You know, God is teaching him how to, uh, uh, how to follow him, right? How, how to be led by God first before he could lead anybody into anywhere, right? 40 years ago, Moses was led by his own emotions, his own, uh, his, his own thoughts, right? His own ambitions. Whatever he wanted to do, he could do it because he had the, the power at the tip of his hands. He was the son of Pharaoh, right? The adopted son of Pharaoh, but he had all the power. He could do whatever he wanted. Now he, he needs to learn how to depend on God for his strength, for his direction, for instruction, for everything. Interesting that there in Exodus 3.11, the chapter before, you know, Moses, as, as he's talking to God, you know, Moses says, man, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Right? And so we see that now Moses is hesitant. God's saying, all right, now's the time. But now he's hesitant. And then he says, now in chapter 4, he says, but what if they don't listen to me? Now, interesting that, that God had already told Moses there in, cha- in chapter 3, verse 18, he told him that the people would heed his voice. God, God told him there, I'll read it for you. He says, Exodus 3.18, uh, Then they will heed your voice, and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go. Right? And so God told Moses, Moses All right, I'm going to send you a Pharaoh, and I'm going to send you the people, and they're going to listen to you. They're going to heed your voice. They're going to obey you. But now Moses is even doubting that. He says, Man, what if they don't listen to me? Right? What, what, what if they don't heed my voice? And so... We're going to see that, that, uh, that at this point, Moses is just very hesitant, to say the least, right? He's hesitant to go back to Egypt. He's, he's hesitant to, to take this position of leadership. He's hesitant to, to lead the people out, to be their deliverer, to do anything. Now, I mean, keep in mind, now he has to face all those people uh, again. And they will see that for the last 40 years, he's been a dirty shepherd, right? Uh, so it's like he has to do the walk of shame now. It's like... Uh, imagine, you know, hey man, you tired, all right, I'm, I'm going to go away, I'm going to go, uh, uh, I'm going to go to an, another state, you know, see if I can make some money, make something out of myself. No one sees you for 40 years and everyone's thinking, man, he's probably a millionaire by now, probably has businesses, probably has a bunch of houses, a bunch of cars, whatever. But yet, little do they know that this whole time you've been, you've been over there just failing and failing and failing and you've gone bankrupt and now you're in debt. Now you have to come back and you're kind of doing the walk of shame and everyone's thinking, man, you've been gone for 40 years, what did you make of yourself? When you saw you leave, you know, you were all this, you were this, you know, your name was in lights. And now he's coming back and it's like they're expecting to see someone great. But now Moses is, again, he's a nobody. He's going to do that walk of shame. So, of course, he was hesitant. More than that, he was humbled, right? He's going through it. He's going through it. And so we see that now he has to face all these people again. And interesting that, that for us, 
Oftentimes, God wants to take us back to those places as well in our lives, right? Back to those places of personal defeats. You know, but now going back in the newness of life in Christ and of the power of the Holy Spirit. For Moses, he was going back in his eyes, like talking about material possession and material gain and material, you know, titles and all this, worldly titles. Yeah, he was nothing. But there was something different about him that, that changed everything is that now he had the call of God on his life. Now he was going back, Moses. Yeah, Moses with nothing. But he was going back now as, as Moses with the call of God on his life. And for us too, sometimes God will take us back to those places of, of past personal defeats. Right? Man, I used to do that, but I used to mess up all the time. For me personally, when I, when I got saved, uh, I'll be honest, I, I struggled the first year. I struggled the first year where, you know, I, I was on fire for the Lord. I, I love the Lord. I want to share Jesus with all my friends. Right? But whenever I, I would go kick it, uh, you know, already, like how I always did. And they'd be smoking or they'd be doing whatever. And I always thought, man, I'm strong. I'm strong. I want to share Jesus with them. And I would always end up falling. As soon as they would, would take the sack out or dig, you know, I would, yeah, I would, I would stumble. I'm like, man, I thought I was strong. But I would end up falling to temptation, right? Whatever the sin was that, that was there before me, I would fall to it. For, and, and I went through that for a whole, my whole first year being saved. Is that I thought, all right, I'm strong enough. But at church, I've been gone away from my homies for two weeks. But I wasn't. I'd, I'd go over there, I'd, you know, I'd be, I'd, I'd be on fire, and I thought I was going to be able to withstand, and all of a sudden, bam, I fell. Now, interesting that, you know, that, that the Lord had to take thing. me away. The exactly. The Lord had to take me away for some time, and now, you know, uh, a few years ago, when, 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 like, when, my, when my brother passed away, we had the, our fun- his funeral, and all of our homies from back then came to the funeral, and I hadn't seen a lot of these guys for a long time. But now I was able to, to preach Jesus to them. They were able to see my life, that I've been, you know, I'm serious about my walk. And it's like, I was going to them again, but now the, the thing was different is that I had to call God on my life, right? Stronger. I was stronger in the Lord. And so oftentimes the Lord wants to do that in our lives as well, that uh, He'll take us back to those places of, of personal defeats, but now in the newness of life. That is in Christ and now in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we see now God's response to Moses. And God's response to Moses, you know, as Moses begins to just go down the list, he says, what if, you know, what if this, what if that, what if that, what if the other, right? And, and, and God says, Moses, what's in your hand, right? Moses gives him his list of excuses and God says, Moses, what's in your hand, right? What's in your hand? Now, Moses, by this point, he had already said, uh, who am I? Uh, who do I send? Who do I say sent me? And now he says, "What if they don't believe me?" Right? Who, the what, and the where, and, and the why's, and all these, and all these. God, what if this, this, that, and the other? Interesting that, that that when God calls us and uses us, He calls us and uses us just as we are. Right? God wants to use us with what we have now and who we are now. Sometimes we think, "All right, I have to go to a seminary. I have to go to Bible college for a couple of years, and I have to, you know, first know the Word. I have to read the whole Bible at least once in order for God to use me." And that's not true. God will use us. He wants to use us just as we are, right? When we first planted the church here, uh, there, was, there was two other brothers that, that, were, that were doing the services. You know, so it was me and then, and then two other brothers, and we would take turns every Sunday, right? And we're praying, right, Lord, who are you, you going to call to stay here? You know, who are you, you going to call to pastor the church? And, and I thought, man, I'm not even qualified. One guy has a doctorate in, 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 really in biblical studies. The other guy has a bachelor's. I'm a high school dropout, and I can't even finish Bible college. Right and, and yet, but the Lord called me. Right, and it's like when God calls you, then nothing else matters. And so we see that that, that now for, for Moses, he say, "Man, who am I? Who do I say send me?" And God says, "What's in your hand?" Right, and what does Moses say? He says, "It's a rod." Right, it's a rod. Now, 
What's interesting is that, you know, as, as God says, what's in your hand? God wants to use us also, right? And often like Moses, we bring out the long list of what ifs and what if that or whatever. But God is asking us that same question. What's in your hand? Meaning, what are you doing now? Uh, I ask myself this question. What's in my hand now? I'm like, oh, well, Lord, I have a, a drill gun, a couple tools, uh, Bible study on Sunday, Wednesdays, my wife at home. That's what's in my hand, right? That's what I have right before me. And God says, all right, I want to use that. For you, it might be different. For you, it might be, hey, my grandkids. For you, it might be, hey, my, my kids at home, my wife, my coworkers. Uh, just some spare time, <laughs> Lord, that's all I have. That's in my hand. God says, all right, I want to use that, right? And so God wants to use us just as we are with what we have now, right? He doesn't want us to wait, you know, a couple years until we're good and ready because we're never going to be ready, right? It's, it's, it's when we step out in faith that God equips us. I love what Pastor Chuck would always say, um, Pastor Chuck, the founder of Calvary Chapel, he would always say, uh, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Meaning that if God has called you, He's going to qualify you for whatever it is that, that, that He's called you to do. Right? And if He's called you to do something, He's, gonna, he's not going to let you sink. He's not going to call you and let you crash and burn. He's going to equip you with every single thing that you need in order to fulfill that calling. Why? Because He's the one who called you. And so... Again, what's in your hand? Is it a Bible with only one scripture memorized? Uh, what's in your hand? Is it, is it an Instagram page with only 20 followers? You know, what's in your hand? Is it just the biblical knowledge you've received sitting under a verse-by-verse Bible study every Sunday and Wednesday? I mean, God wants to use that. Whatever it is that we have at hand, God wants to use that, right? And so we see that what Moses had in his hand was a shepherd's rod. When it says that, that when Moses says, have a rod. What it was, it was a staff. It was a shepherd's rod, which, which the shepherds would use when the sheep were going astray or when they were, when they were getting out of line. He would have to whack them on the, on the legs so they could get back in line. And that's all that Moses had. For 40 years, that was his tool. That was his, you know, that was, that was, that was his tool. That was his, his, his armor, right? He went from, from being an Egyptian, having all these, you know, uh, fancy uh, shields and, and necklaces and, and all the bling bling to now, man, a shepherd's staff, a shepherd's rod. And so God says, what's in your hand? And he says, I just have this, the, the, the shepherd's rod, right? Now, again, that shepherd's rod is something that, 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 that for the past 40 years, you know, would be a reminder of his failures. Man, this is who I am now. This is who I am. I'm just a shepherd now. I went from being this, I'm just a shepherd. And that's what he had in his hand. And so, interesting that, that uh, again, up until this point, that's all it was, was just a rod. But we're going to see that later on, God is going to use that same rod in Moses' life. To, uh, to split the sea, to split the Red Sea. He's going to use that same rod in Moses' hand to uh, hit a boulder and it's going to cause water to come out, to come gushing out and feed millions of, of, of thirsty, of, of thirsty uh, Hebrews. They're in the desert, right? He's going to use that, that, that rod in, in Moses' hand to lead a multitude of people through the wilderness for 40 years. Amazing. At that point, it was just, it was just a rod. But when, when, when God placed his call on Moses, amen, now it was God's rod. Right? And God was going to use that in his hand and in his life. So we see that with God, uh, I mean, for us, something that's all we have, you know, is just the humbling life experiences that, that, that makes us who we are. For Moses, that's what it was. Amen. This rod, which describes who, I, who I've been for 40 years and all my failures. For us, sometimes that, that's all we have is, hey, well, I'm just so-and-so from here and here. And I've done that and that and boom, boom, boom. Right. And, and sometimes we see that, that God wants to use those humbling life experiences in our life so that he can be glorified as well. Right. With God, those things can be used as tools to help reach and comfort and maybe even minister to, to other people and, and accomplish God's will. That's what God's going to do with Moses. 
And so we see then that, that Moses throws his rod on the ground. And God tells him, right, uh, cast it on the ground. Moses throws it on the ground and it becomes a serpent. This was something supernatural. This was a miracle. And so God is showing Moses that he can use what Moses has and do more with it than Moses can imagine. Right? For Moses, it was just a rod. But for God, amen, it's the, the possibilities are endless. Right? I heard someone say, you plus God equals the victory. Doesn't matter who else is. It doesn't matter if no one else is with you. If it's you plus God, victory. Right? You're, you're winning. And so... Now we see that God is showing Moses again that, that he can do more with what Moses has than, than, than Moses can, can ever imagine. And that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, there in Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask, above all that we think, above uh, all that we can imagine, according to the power that works in us. And so this was true for Moses, right? Moses couldn't, was never going to imagine what God was going to do with that rod on his hand. And for us as well, man, we, we can't even imagine what God can do you know, in our lives. That's what the Bible tells us, right? That God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or even think according to the power that works in us. And so it goes on to say there in verse 4 of chapter 4. It says, Then, then the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and, and take it by the tail. Remember, it became a serpent. And so Moses says, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. That it says, and then he says that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And verse 6 says, Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your, in your bosom, meaning like in your chest. Right? You know, he says, Put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous, like snow. And then God said, Put your hand in your bosom again. And so he put his hand back in his bosom. And he drew it out of his bosom, and behold, it was restored like, like, the, like, like the rest of his body, like the, his other flesh. And verse 8 says, Then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the, of the, of the latter sign. And verse 9, And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river, and pour it on the dry land, that the water which you take from the river will become blood on dry land. So what's going on? Right, is God is showing him his supernatural work, you know, through that staff. We see that God gives uh, signs to Moses, supernatural signs, miracles. And so we see that God gives Moses three miraculous signs to show that he is with them. Right? He tells them, right, cast your rod into the, into the ground, it turns to a serpent. He tells them, grab, grab, the, grab the rod again, and it's going to grab the serpent by the tail, and it's going to turn into your rod again. He does. And he says, all right, put your hand, put, put your hand here in your chest. And it's going to become leprous. Like, oh, keep in mind that at that time, you know, there was no cure for leprosy. I think even today, there's no cure for leprosy. They're just, there's, there's medicine to kind of hold it back, but there's no cure completely. And so he, that's some, that, that in itself is a miracle. And he says, all right, put it back in, take it back out. And it was like, if nothing ha had happened. And then he tells him this. He says that the third sign, you know, the water into blood, he says, will be one of judgment for their unbelief. He says, all right, if you go to them and you tell them, God has sent me, uh, God has appeared to me, the God of your fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and if, they don't believe that, if, if they don't believe that, then show them the sign with the rod. And if they don't believe the rod, then show them the sign with your hand. And if they don't believe the, the, the sign with your hand, then take some water out and pour it out on the ground. It's going to be blood. It was going to be like a form of judgment upon the people because God has appeared to them. right? And they're not believing. They're rejecting. You know, they're, they're, they're choosing to, to not believe. 
And so the third sign of the, of the water into blood would be like, hey man, your blood is upon you, know, uh, is upon you for, for your unbelief. Now, keep in mind that from, like we mentioned last week, from, from the time of, of Genesis when, when, uh, when, when Joseph was in Egypt until now has been like 400 years. And we don't have any account of God speaking to, to his people for 400 years. And so this is big. All of a sudden Moses is coming and he's saying, hey, God has appeared to me. What? God hasn't spoken to anybody in 400 years. And all of a sudden, Moses comes out of nowhere and says, hey, God has appeared to me. Right? This was, this was big. And so he's saying, man, if they don't believe you that, that the God of your fathers has appeared to you, then, man, their blood be, on, be, on, be upon themselves. Right? And so, what's the point of these signs? God tells us there in verse 5, it says, that they may believe that the God of their fathers, of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to you. And so God wants to make it clear. Look, man, I'm going to work on your guys' behalf. Right? And so it goes on to say then, verse 10, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent. He says, Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And he says, so the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, or the seen, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you, mu- you must Say, interesting. <laughs> now Moses continues with another excuse. First, it was, "What if they don't believe me? Or what if they ask me who sent, who sent me? What if you know they ask for a sign? What if this, that, the other?" Now he says, "Man, God, I, I'm not. A, I can't speak. I'm not a good orator. I'm not a good public speaker. I can't go talk to anybody." Right? That's what he says. He says, "I'm slow of speech." Now, after seeing God appear to him and talking with him one on one, I mean, you would think. And you're talking to God one-on-one. You're in the presence of, you know, holy God. He told you, hey, take your shoes off because there's holy ground right here. And, and it's like Moses is seeing God he, and he's talking to God. And he's seeing the miracles with his own eyes. And he still makes excuses not to go. What we see here is really a lack of confidence on Moses' behalf. That's what it, that's what it is, 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 is a lack of confidence. It's like, I just can't do it, right? Now, it's, it, it's good to recognize that... Apart from God, we're inadequate. It, it's good to recognize that. It's good to recognize that, hey man, apart from God, we can't do anything. Right? That's what the Bible tells us, that apart from God, we can't do anything. I recognize that. It's good. It's good to recognize that. But, but once God has spoken to us and shown us that He is with us, then any excuse after that is really just calling God a liar. And because really, that's what Moses was doing. He says, man, they're not going to believe me. Right? He says, what if they don't believe me? God says, I already told you, they're going to believe you. He says, man, what if, what, if they don't, what if they don't believe? Hey, they're, they're going to believe, right? What if they don't listen to me? I told you they're going to listen to you, right? And so it's good to recognize that, that, that we need God. It's good to recognize that apart from God, we can't do anything. But be careful because once God has spoken and once God has shown you and once you know, all right, I think the Lord is calling me to this. I think the Lord has confirmed this. Then any, any uh, hesitance after, uh, after that is, is, is really just disobedience, right? It's, you're calling God a liar. You're saying, God... You're not going to fulfill what you told me. That's what it is. It's calling God a liar. Now, we need to get to the point where we believe God's word over what we feel. If God said it, it must be true. Right? The mark of a mature Christian. Notice this. The mark of a mature Christian, of any mature Christian, male or female. The, the mark of a mature Christian is when we're able to put God's word above our feelings. Lord, I feel like boom, 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 this, is that, and the other. But you said this. So I'm going to believe your word. God, I feel like maybe this is that. All right, but this is what your word says. This is what you told me. So I'm going to believe your word. 
The mark of a, of a mature Christian is when we're able to put God's word above our own feelings. Right? And so here's Moses. He's having all kinds of feelings and emotions. And so we see that his excuse was, he says, I'm not a good speaker. He says, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. Now, some people believe that, that Moses had some kind of a, of a speech impediment that maybe developed in those, in those 40 years that he was out there in the, in the wilderness with the, as, as a shepherd um, in the desert. It could be that, that he had lost the ability to, to speak fluent Egyptian or fluent Hebrew. Keep in mind, he's in the land of Midian, right? He's with the, with the Midianites. His, his father-in-law, Jethro, he's the priest of Midian. His, his, his wife is, is his daughter. So he's with the Midianite people. They speak a whole different uh, dialect, right? So it could be that when he said, I'm slow of speech, right? Not, not a good speaker. It could be that, that either he had some kind of speech impediment or maybe he had a lost ability to, to fluently speak Egyptian, right? He, or he stuttered. A lot, a lot of people believe that, that, that he stuttered. Or, or maybe, you know, he's saying, man, I, I forgot how to speak Hebrew, right? And so, but it, it, it's not that Moses was unskilled. It could be that maybe he, he lost the touch a little bit, right? But it's not that he was unskilled or untaught. He says, hey, I'm not a good speaker and I'm slow of speech and I'm slow of tongue. But it's not that he was untaught. It's not that he was dumb. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Acts. If you guys remember the story uh, in the book of Acts when, when Stephen was being stoned to death. Before he was stoned to death, he gave like the greatest sermon of all time. Right? He begins to preach to these religious leaders. And he begins to go through their whole history. From, from Adam to Abraham to Moses. He begins to go through their whole history. And he shows them how, how their ancestors always rejected the prophets. And he says this about Moses. He says this in Acts 7.22. He says, and Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word and in deed. So that means that Moses wasn't dumb, right? He was a great speaker. He would have, he would have been brought up under the best school, the best private Egyptian schools with the best private Egyptian tutors, with the best private Egyptian uh, language you know, uh, uh, instructors. He would have, man, he would have known. More than that, the, the Jewish historian Josephus Tells us that, 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 that Moses was a man of battle. That he would go in and out conquering nations. So in order to, to go to another nation and be able to communicate with the people. He needed to know their language. Meaning that he was taught all these other languages as well. So he was, he, he was, a, he, he, he was a multilingual you know, man. He knew a lot of languages. So he was skilled. Right? That's what the Bible tells us. That he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And was mighty in word and in deed. So either way. If it was because of a speech impediment, because of, he forgot the language, uh, really what it is that he's just making, he's making excuses. He says, I can't go, Lord. I, I, I just can't, right? That's what he's doing. That's what he's saying. And so we see now God's response to him. He says, aren't I the one who made the mouth? That's what God says. Moses, you're saying that, that you're not a good speaker. You're slow of tongue, slow of speech. But who made the mouth? God says, aren't I the one who made the mouth? And so we see that Moses' excuse was that of inadequacy. But God says, if I made you, I can use you. You're adequate, right? If, if I made you, I can use you. And so more than that, God says that he will be with his mouth and teach him what to say. That's heavy. One thing, one thing is, is if God would have said, all right, Moses, uh, go to Pharaoh and just figure it out. I mean, come up with something good to say. Come up with a speech. Write it down. Practice it on your way over there. You know, come up with something good and uh, we'll see how it goes. But I mean, that, that, that I, I could have seen you know, that Moses would have had all kinds of excuses. But no, God says, go and I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what to say. Meaning, I'm going to tell you what to say. I'm going to give you the words. You just got to be the voice. Right. And so 
oftentimes when we, when we go out there, uh, maybe to evangelize or, or when you want to share with a coworker or a family member, we think, man, you know, the pressure's on us because what am I going to say? What am I going to say, right? But this is what Jesus told us in the New Testament. As he was talking to, to, to the disciples when he commissioned them, uh, he was telling them concerning persecution. He says, don't worry what, what you're going to say in that moment. He says, for in that moment, he says, uh, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you what to say. And, and really, that's a promise for all of us. I've seen it in my life. I'm sure with, with, with Mark and some of the guys here that, that you know, before, before I came to the Lord, man, I, I would, this being up here in front of a crowd, in front of even one person, I could never do this. This is not me. I, I, I had a really bad stutter when I was younger. I, I would get super freaked out being in front of crowds. I would, man, I'd start sweating. I would, my heart would start getting all crazy. I couldn't do it, right? And, and now we see that it's not through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God promised. He said, hey, don't worry about what you're going to say when you're up there. He says, the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say in that moment. We go evangelizing. My favorite thing to do is evangelize. I know that God has gifted me with the gift of evangelism. And I go out there and I never practice what I'm going to say. I go out there and, and, I, and what I do say is, in my head is, Lord, you promised. Lord, you said you were going to teach me what to say. So I go over there and start a conversation. And boom, the Lord just, it's like the Holy Spirit just starts speaking through us. Right? And so don't get discouraged if, if, you, know, if you want to talk to somebody, a coworker, or someone at the market, a family member. Uh, if you want to talk to them about the Lord. Because the Bible says, hey man, God's going to teach you what to say. Right? In that moment. And so we see that again, that his excuse was, I'm not adequate. Uh, God says, hey man, <laughs> I'm going to teach you what to say. I'm going to be with your mouth. So in other words, you know, Moses was just going to be the instrument in which God speaks to Pharaoh and to the nation of Israel. And really that's what we all are, just instruments. We're just his mouthpiece. I come up here and I'm not anything any more special than you guys. God doesn't hear my prayers more because I'm up here. You know, he hears your prayers just as, just as much. You know, I, I'm just a voice. I'm just a mouthpiece. A broken mouthpiece of that. You know, and that's what we all are, just mouthpieces to the Lord. That's what Moses was going to be, a mouthpiece. And so we can get discouraged, you know, when we think that, that we're the ones that have to do all the work. When we put the pressure on ourselves, all right, I got to do this. I got to find out what to say. I got to, right? We get, we get discouraged because, man, we're really not all that great. But in reality, God wants to do all the work through us. He doesn't want us to do it, but he wants to do the work through us. We just need to be willing. That's all God's going to ask of us is that we be willing. He's not going to, that's it, he, right? Because he, there's only one thing God's not going to violate, is that's, and that's our will, our, our own personal will. You know, he's not going to go against our will. He's going to just ask you that you be willing, and if you're willing, he's going to use you. But he's never going to violate our, our own will. And so, again, God wants to do all the work through us. You know, we just need to be willing. And so chapter 4, verse 13, goes on to say, but Moses said, Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. And verse 14 says, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And verse 17 says, And you shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. And so finally, Moses gets to the bottom of it. Right? First he started off with the conversation with, uh, What if they ask me who sent me? What do I say? Say, hey, I am the God of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sent you. And he says, what if they don't believe me? And he says, all right, this. He says, what if, you know, they want to ask for a sign? All right, say this. And then he says, I can't speak. 
And he says, all right, do this. And then finally, Moses gets to the bottom of it. He says, I just don't want to go. <laughs> That's what he says. He says, God, he says, is there anybody else? That's what he tells him. He says, I just don't want to do it. Bottom right? Line, don't want to go. Bottom line, he doesn't want to go. He says, send somebody else, anybody else. Right? right? And so he was kind of just, you know, creeping around the bush. Like, all right, this is. And finally, he just gets to the bottom of it. He says, Lord, I just don't want to do it. Plain and simple, Lord. I don't want to go to Pharaoh. I don't want to go back to my people. I don't want to speak to anybody. I don't want to be used. Now, it wasn't that Moses was unsure or unskilled, uh, right? Because as we read there in Acts 7, that the Bible tells us that Moses was skilled. He was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. But he would rather God use someone else. He just didn't want to go. And so we're told that the anger of the Lord was stirred up because of Moses' unwillingness. So he sent Aaron with them. Now, interesting, man, that, that, uh, that, that, that God didn't get angry when Moses said, what if they ask me who sent me? God didn't get angry when he said, well, what if they ask for a sign? God didn't get angry when he says, oh, I'm, not, I'm not good at a speaker, listen to that, right? But we're told that God got angry at Moses' unwillingness to go. That, that's, that says a lot. That says a lot. That says a lot because God had placed a calling on this man's life. He plainly, not that he was, he just didn't want to go. And that's what, what, what stirred up God's anger. He says, man, you know what? I placed a calling in your life and you don't want to do this. And that's all I can say about that. I mean, I can't go too deep into that. I can just read into it and that's it. We just see that that's what stirred up God's anger against Moses, right? And so God said, look, your brother, your brother Aaron is on his way to meet you. He says, uh, I'm going to send him with you. And he, and he tells, he, he tells Moses, I'm going to speak to you and you're going to speak to Aaron, right? And so as we, we see that, that as we read through the whole story of the book of Exodus, as, as we go through the whole story, you'll see that, uh, that Aaron actually became a stumbling block for Moses and the children of Israel. In chapter 32 of the book of Exodus, which is all the way at the end, we're going to see that, that in chapter 32, we read that, that, that while Moses went up to the mountain to see God on behalf of the people, we see that Aaron took their gold piercings and jewelry and he made a golden calf for them to worship. And so here's... Here's Aaron, right? And God says, all right, I'm going to send Aaron by default. Because you're just unwilling to go, all right, you know, I'll give in. I'll, I'll, send, I'll send Aaron with you. And Moses, all right, cool, finally, you know, Aaron's going to come. He's going to do all, all the talking. And, and at that moment, it was like, all right, it felt good at that moment because he says, all right, problem solved, right? Aaron's going to come with me. But Moses didn't know that, that, that Aaron was going to become a stumbling block for him. Not just for him, but for the whole children of Israel. Later on, again, as I mentioned in chapter 32, when, when, the, when the people finally come out of, out of Egypt, we're told that as they crossed the Red Sea, uh, we're told in chapter 32 that, that God, uh, God calls Moses up to the mountain. He speaks to Moses, and really he's giving him the Ten Commandments, right? I'm sure I was asking that movie, but he goes up there for 40 days and for, and for 40 nights uh, with, with God up in the mountain. And the whole time he's gone for those 40 days, the people down at the mountain, they say, hey man, Moses is gone. He ditched us. He, you know, he brought us out here to the, to the wilderness to die. And they start telling Aaron, hey, make us a God so we can worship. And so what Aaron does is that he tells everyone, all right, man, everyone give me your earrings, your nose rings, your, your gold necklaces, you know, put, put it in this pot. They, and he, he melts it down. He makes a, a big golden calf. And he says, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Worship this God. And, and as Moses is up there in the mountain and talking with God, God says, hey, man, Moses, you better get down there because things are out of control now. Moses goes down there and he sees the people having, the Bible says that they were having a, a drunken orgy, worshiping this God. Man. And this was Aaron, right? He, he gave in to, to, the, to the people's request. And so at the moment, for, for Moses, he was like, all right, cool, man. Aaron's coming with me. Problem solved. He's going to do all the work. That's it. You know, uh, this quick, 
gratification is quick. All right, that's it. Problem's done. Little did they know the problem was going to cause them later on down the road. And so we see that, that God wasn't going to speak to Aaron directly. God, was, God would speak to Moses, then Moses will speak to Aaron, and Aaron to the people. And so we see that, that, that God told Moses, hey, you're going to be like God to Aaron, right? He says, verse 16, so he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself will be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. Meaning, you're going to hear from God, you're going to hear from me, and he's going to hear from you. So it's like, if he's hearing from God, because he's hearing through you, right? So don't get, don't, that, that, that's all that means. And verse 17, and you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. Now, one thing that, that, that I love about this, right, is that, and one thing I can say is that I'm so glad that God didn't give up on Moses. He could have, right? He, God could have, if he wanted to, used someone else. He could have said, all right, Moses, you're not willing, whatever, dude, boom, get out of the way. I'm going to use someone else, right? You're going to miss out on the blessing. You're going to miss out on knowing me deeper. You're going to miss out on seeing my glory. You're going to miss out on all these amazing things that, 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 that we're going to read about in the book of Exodus. Right, man, Moses... Is not considered like for the Jews and even for almost like every single the yeah the biggest religions of the world uh, uh, reverence Moses in some way. They're for the Jews, hey Amen. Moses don't you can't touch his name. Moses is Moses, right? Next to Abraham and, and Moses, that, that's it, man. You can't touch his name. You, even for the even for for the uh, in the in the religion of Islam, right? They they hold Moses as a prophet, right? For us as Christians, we recognize that that the law came through Moses. And so imagine that Moses would have missed out on, 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 on all those things that, that God was going to do through him. All those miracles that he was going to see. He was going to miss out on the privilege of, of, of bringing out a whole nation. Millions. Some people believe that was like three million people that came out of, out of Egypt. He was going to miss out on that. And yet, I'm so glad that, that God didn't give up on Moses. Because he could have used someone else. Yeah. Right? Moses wasn't perfect. He messed up too. We're going to see that, that he's going to make all kinds of mistakes. As we go through the book of Exodus, he's going to mess up a lot. Uh, Exodus, uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy it, it all records the story of the children of Israel They're in, they're in the wilderness And we're going to see that, that, that Moses mess, messes up a lot, right? He wasn't perfect He made all kinds of excuses He was unwilling to go uh, Later on, once they come out of, come, come out of Egypt He's going to get mad as he, as he sees the people worshipping his calf We're told that he gets so mad And he takes the Ten Commandments And he throws them and he breaks them in two and then God says, all right, Moses, let's do this again because you broke, the, you broke the first one, so we have to do it again. And so, man, we see that, that he, messed up, he messed up a lot, right? He wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. Then later on, once they're already in the promised land, uh, once they're already in the wilderness, about to go into the promised land, we're told that, that, that Moses just got so frustrated with the people's complaining that he, that he hit the rock, right? The people are like, Moses, we're thirsty, we're thirsty. Moses, give us water. And so Moses, what do you say? He says, man, he says, do I have to you know, do this for you all the time? And he says, whack. And in anger, he strikes a rock. Water comes out of the rock. And, Moses, and God calls Moses. He says, hey, Moses, come here. He says, I didn't tell you, I didn't tell you to, 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 to beat the rock. I told you to just touch it. And so because Moses disobeyed God, Moses never got to go into the promised land. Right? Because he misrepresented God to the people. And so bottom line is, Moses wasn't perfect. He messed up a lot. But God called him, and I'm so glad that God still used him, right? And he didn't, he, he didn't just say, all right, that's it, man, I'm done with you. He didn't give up on him. And for us, too, we might come to the Lord, we think, Lord, I've messed up so much. Lord, all right, I'm already, not, not even before I was a Christian, but now being a Christian, I'm still messing up. God says, I'm not done with you. I'm not going to give up on you either, right? He still wants to use us. God uses our failures, right? He uses all these things in our lives. And so we could, we could be encouraged by Moses. He's one of the greatest encouragement to knuckleheads like us, right? All right, that God could still use us, right? And so when we see that, uh, 
That, that again, that, 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 that God didn't stop using him, right? We see that, 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 that what a person is, I mean, we see, we see what a person is, right? You could look at me and think, all right, this is angel, this is that, whatever, right? This is what his background, this is what he's done. We see what the person is. God sees what the person can be, right? God sees, hey man, your ultimate, like, he sees your whole life, not just in the moments. There's this, um, I read in a book one time that somebody was asking Michelangelo, you know, the great artist Michelangelo. He's known for a lot of great, a lot of great sculptures and paintings. But one of one of the one of the, the main things that he's known for is his sculpture of the David, right? And and you guys have seen it. It's it's this man sitting like this, right? It's a naked man, and he calls it the David, right, from the Bible. And it's like one of the greatest masterpieces in the whole world. And somebody asked him one time. They asked him, man. How'd you get your vision for, for this sculpture? Like, man, how'd you get your vision for this amazing, beautiful sculpture? And he said this. He said, the sculpture was always in the rock. I just had a chip around it. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, and sometimes, you know, that's what the Lord does around uh, for us is that it's like we're, people see us and we're just this big old block, right? We're just this big old stone. And we think, man, there's no getting through to this person. And, 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 and what God does is that he chips a rock around us. Right, that's what God sees, and for us, man, that's what we're called. I mean, I pray, I'm like, Lord, give me those, give me that vision. You're, help me to just be the guy who chips around, you know, who chips all the rock around my brothers. Help, them, help me to help them become the men of God that you've called them to be. You know, help me to, to, to help them to become the women of God, the people of God that you've called them to be by just chipping around those, those that rock around the sculpture, whatever that may be, right? And so, continuing in verse 18, verse 18 says, So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father in law. And said to him, Please, let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they're still alive. And so Jethro, his father-in-law, said to Moses, Go in peace. You know, you have my blessing. 19 says, Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go, return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all these wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you, sh- then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let, m- to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. So let's stop it there. There's, there's, a, lot going, there's a lot going on right here. And so we see that, that now, you know, Moses... He talks to his father-in-law. He says, hey, man, he says, I, I, I got to go back to Egypt. God has called me. He says, I can't explain right now, you know, but God has called me to go back to Egypt to, 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 to let the, the Hebrew people go. And so his father-in-law says, go, oh, man, you have my blessing. And so Moses takes his wife, and we're told he has uh, two, two kids. Also, he takes them. And, but notice what it says there in verse 20. He says, and he returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Remember, a few verses ago, it was Moses' rod. But now that, now that God has called them, now it's, hey, now it's the rod of God, right? Amazing how, how much things change when, when, when you sense the call of God in your life. When it was just, hey, man, and, and it's like when you apply that, apply that to everything, it's like, man, it gives everything more meaning. I have my car, and for a long time, it was just my car. Now it's, hey, man, this is God's car. Lord, whatever you want to do with this car, Lord, let's do it. I have my job, and this was, hey, man, this was my job. Now I'm like, Lord, this is your job. Whatever you want to do with this job, Lord, let's do it, right? This church... Lord, this is your church. Whatever you want to do with this church, let's do it. Right? Moses had that rod. It was his rod. 
Once God called them, hey, now it's God's rod. I love that. But then notice this. Something, something interesting here. That God calls them, He tells them, right. When you, when you go to Pharaoh, make sure you show them all those signs and wonders that, that I showed you, that I told you to do. And He says this. But I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will not let the people go. And so a lot of people read into this. And, I mean, even right now, we could break it down and we think, well, that's not fair. Right? Why would God call Moses to go to Pharaoh? And then why would God... Harden Pharaoh's heart so that he can't, so that he won't let people. Yeah, wasn't, isn't, isn't that kind of unfair? Isn't that like like God is setting up Pharaoh for for a failure, right? And and, and a lot of people, uh, a lot of critics of the Bible, they, they they love to take this instance, this these scriptures in specific, and criticize God. Say, man, God's cruel. God's a mean God. God's a messed up God, right? Because why would He harden Pharaoh's heart so that He could punish him for his rebellion later on? But really, um, there's this uh, when you see. You know, this there, this, it's deeper than that. So here in verse, in verse 21, God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Right? I'm going to go through a few verses. In chapter 7, verse 3, God says again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Right? In chapter 14, in verse, in verse 3, God says again, then I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Heart. But notice this. In chapter 8, verse 15, it says, Pharaoh saw that, they, that there was relief and he hardened his own heart. Then in verse, 30, verse 32, it says, But Pharaoh hardened his heart. Then in chapter 9, verse 34, it says, And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and hell had thundered and had ceased, it says, He hardened his heart. And so, there's, there's very more there's, there's more uh, comparisons, but that's, that's enough. And so the, the, the book of Exodus tells us that, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart and that, Mo, and that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. So the question is, which one is it? Did God harden his heart or did Pharaoh harden his heart? Is God cruel? Is God messed up? Did God set him up for a failure just so he could punish him later on? Right? Now, I'm going to look at, at, at the words a little deeper. When it says right there that, that, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, the, the Hebrew word for the word harden right there is a, is a Hebrew word that's pronounced kasa, which means to make firm, to confirm. When it says that, that Pharaoh hardened his heart, his own heart, it says that, that Pharaoh made his heart dull or insensible. And so really what this is saying is that, is that Pharaoh made his own heart hard. His, he made his own heart dull and insensible and God confirmed the hardness of his heart. Right? He confirmed it. He's like, all right. We're going to see as we go through the book of Exodus that, that, that there's going to be 10 plagues that are going to come up uh, uh, on, the, on, the, on the land of Israel. And every single one of those 10 plagues isn't just to punish Pharaoh, but it's, it's like God extending his mercy saying, look, I can do this. Not just, just give up. Just, just let him go. Just let him go. 10 times, 10 huge times, right? And, and so really it's God extending his mercy to Pharaoh. And each one of those times, Pharaoh's having a, an opportunity to just soften his heart. But instead it says that he hardened his heart more. He, he became more dull, more insensible, more dull, more insensible. Until finally God says, all right, God gave him over to his hardened heart. God confirmed that hardened heart. That's what it says. He made firm. So, all right, I'm going to confirm it. I'm, I'm not going to try anymore. Right? And so that's what it's saying. So it's not that God is cruel and God hardened his heart. It's that God confirmed Pharaoh's already hardened heart. Amazing. So it goes on to say there in verse 24. It says, And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him, met, met uh, Moses, and he sought to kill him. Like, oh, what's going on here? You know, if all of a sudden God calls him, says, all right, go back to Egypt. 
And as, as Pharaoh's going, it says that God tried to kill him. What's going on? We'll see right now. It says, And it came to pass that on the way that, uh, to the encampment that the Lord met Moses and sought to kill him. It says, Then Zipporah took, Zipporah's his wife, Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he, so he let him go. Then he said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Right. And so let's, let's break it down. We're going to see that, that, that God is going to deal with, with, God deals with Moses in a, in a severe way. Right. It might seem strange. It seems strange if we just read it for face value. But what's going on is that, again, God has called Moses. He's given, he's placed on him a huge call. All of a sudden, uh, Moses is now in the position to lead the Hebrew nation out of Egypt. Keep in mind that, that, that the circumcision, you know, is, is, is a covenant between the, the, the Jews and God, right? The Hebrew people and God. And so all of a sudden, Moses is in the position to, to lead the Hebrew nation uh, out of Egypt, right? He is now God's spokesman, yet he himself it, it hadn't obeyed God's command concerning this, this circumcision on his own kids. And so uh, this was actually God uh, not allowing Moses to go any further until he dealt with the issue uh, of his flesh, right, of, of, of this thing. So it's like because Moses was in a position of leadership, because God had now placed his call upon Moses, right, now Moses was more accountable. He says, all right, Moses, look, before you can go there to the, to the, to the people and represent me to the people, he says, you got to get right. Right? They're going to look at you, they're going to say, look, man, you're not even obeying God's law, so why would we listen to you? Yeah, you have signs, yeah, you, have, yeah, you said God met you, yeah, you said you have all these you know, miracles and all these things, but you know what? You're, you're not even obeying God's, God's voice. So if you're, if you're not obeying God's voice, why would we obey God's voice? And so God is, 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 is going uh, to deal with, with, with Moses severely, right? Now again, keep in mind that, that this circumcision is something between the, the, the Hebrew people and God. Right, everyone knows what circumcision is here, right? Just yeah. all right, take it. All right. We're talking about the son, not Moses. The son, yes, but but because Moses is dad, you know, he he had the he had the, the 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 obligation to you know to circumcise his son on the eighth day after he was born. That and this was something that God had told the Hebrew people through Abraham. God God gave this covenant, this promise, this sign, you know, to to the people through Abraham, right? And so even to this day, they still do it. But it was a sign between between God and Abraham for all the Jews. Right? So they were to circumcise the, 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 the male babies uh, eight days after they were born. And so we see that, that Moses, you know, he had been in the wilderness for 40 years. Here he had two kids. I guess probably his first, his, his, one of his kids, he did circumcise because only one of them, you know, he brought, he brought the attention to. But the other one, it's like he said, ah, you know what, for what? So it's like Moses had kind of forsaken that, that, that covenant between, between God and his people. And so before he goes in and, and, and represents God to the people... You know, God is going to make him, you know, he's, he's like, hey, you got to get right. You got to get right. Now, we see that sometimes God won't let us get any further in our walks with him until we deal with that, with that area of sin or the flesh that is hindering the work of God in our lives. Right? God's, it's like, all right, man, God's using you. He's called you. He's building you up. He's letting you do ministry. He's letting you kind of, you know, represent him. But it's like, he won't let you get any further you know, until you deal with certain things in your life. And, and, you, and you know what those are. I know what those are in my life. You know what those are in your life. You know, but it's like you sense that. You sense that, man, I think God has more for me. But for some reason, I just can't get there, right? I can't, I, I can't see it. It seems, it seems blurry. I know God has given me a vision. He's given me a calling. But it's blurry right now. I, I don't see it. And a lot of the times, it may be because of this. Maybe because God is trying to, to, to get you to deal with that area of sin or flesh in your life, right? In Moses' case, it was a literal flesh. It was the foreskin. 
But but in our in our, in our lives as Christians, uh, you know, in, in the spiritual, it, it, it might be the the, the, the the sin of the flesh, meaning our carnal desire, something that God is saying, man, you gotta just lay that to the side and just keep walking with me, right? It's holding you back. It's holding you back. And so we see that his wife, uh, again, she's not remember, she's not Hebrew, she's not she's not a Jew, she's she's a Midianite. And she said, and so she recognizes, man, this is crazy. You know, God's about to kill you because you didn't obey him for this. So it says that Zipporah took a took a sharp stone and she pretty, pretty much uh, she she performed the, the circumcision on her son. She threw it at Moses' feet. She said, man, you're you're a husband of blood. I mean, like, man, you're, just, you're crazy type of thing. Right? This is a barbaric type of thing. And so we're told there in verse twenty-seven. Now it says, and the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and he met him on the mountain of God. And he kissed them, you know, their brothers. And so Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And so the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and they worshiped God. Man, that's amazing because keep in mind, you know, there they are, man. They're, they're being beaten up every single day being forced to, 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 to you know, endure harsh slave labor. And they're crying out to God, God, deliver us, God, deliver us. And for years and years and years, they're thinking, man, God's not hearing us. God's not seeing us, right? God's not going to deliver. And all of a sudden, he appears to Moses and he says, hey, look, I hear them, I see them, I'm going to deliver. Now he sends Moses and, and Aaron and they go to the people and they say, look, man, God has seen your afflictions. He's going to deliver. So what do they do? They fall on their faces and they begin to worship God. A lot, of, a lot of the times in our lives, that's how it may seem like. Lord, where are you? Lord, do you hear me? Lord, do you see me? Lord, are you going to deliver? Are you going to do anything, Lord? Right? And we could go for, for a long stretch like that, just praying, Lord, what's going on, man? Am I invisible? Or what? My prayer's not getting to you? Or am I, is there, why am I do, not doing it right? And, and really, it's just God's perfect timing. Right? We, they didn't know that this whole time God was building up Moses in the wilderness, humbling him, building him up, right? So you could call him. They were over here thinking, man, God forgot about us. But little did they know that it's because God was working on, on, the, on, the, on the person who was going to deliver them this whole time. And so God's working behind the scenes. And we think, man, things going on. Right? Man, Lord, I've been praying for a long time. Lord, I've been waiting for a long time. What's going on? We don't know what God's doing in the background. But we know that He's doing something. Right? And we could, we could take comfort in that knowing that He's working. He's there. Right? He's, he's present. He's going to do something. And maybe not in our time, but, but in His time. But that's even better because God's time is perfect. Right? It's, it, it's better. God's time is, is better. There's a verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, then 10 and 11, that says, For your ways are not my ways, says the Lord, nor are my thoughts your thoughts. He says, For as far as the heavens are from the earth, that's how different your ways are from my ways and my thoughts from your thoughts, says the Lord. Hmm. That's amazing. Because I think I have, I'm thinking, man, right, Lord, I got this planned out. Look, I need this prayer answered and I have it all planned out for you here. You could do like this. And God says, My ways are not your ways. I'm mean, not, nah, Lord, but I thought this and that. And he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I'm like, all right, Lord. Right? And we could take, we could take comfort in that again because God, God's ways are better. He can see our life from beginning to middle to end as if it was one. We're just seeing it like a man, moments of time. Boom, 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 boom. Right? For us, we get taken by surprise. All of a sudden, a law passes or I lose my job or this, this, that, and the other. And we get taken by surprise. God doesn't get taken by surprise because he knows he's already there. Right? He is, the Bible calls him the Alpha and the Omega, which is the first letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter of the Greek alphabet, meaning He's the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's already there, right? He exists outside of our time. Amen? So take comfort in that. Uh, we'll stop right there. I was going to get to five, but we'll start fresh next, next, next Wednesday. Uh, with that, I want to pray. Father, 
Thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord. And thank you for just meeting us here tonight in this place, Lord. I pray that you would just bless my, my, my family here, Lord. Bless my brothers and my sisters, Lord. May you just be with them, Lord. Minister to them, Lord, through your word. I pray, Father, that you would give them just this uh, uh, divine understanding of your word, Lord. And that you would just meet them there in, in, in their place, Lord. In their wilderness, Lord. And, and whatever it is that you're doing in their life, Lord. I pray that they would be able to see you, uh, Lord, and hear you with clarity. And I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.